Welcome back to the Talking Thomas podcast, your podcast for all things Thomas and Friends, Shining Time Station, the Railway Series, etc. I am Tony. And I'm Orion. And we're back with another commentary of Shining Time Station. It's been a little while since we did one of those. And uh, this time we're doing the start of season three. Uh, Now, uh, season three, of course, started in 1993. And so uh, this year it'll be 28 years since uh, season three began. So... I believe that we're going to be doing uh, within the next week or so, we're going to try to hit at least the beginning of season three, I would think. Is that right, Orion? Yeah. Yeah. We're uh, going to um, do the first four episodes of, uh, of season three um, since they aired all back to back at the beginning of March or uh, rather the end of March yeah. of 1993. Um, so uh, yeah, we're, and we're starting today with uh, the first episode of, of season three, which is my personal favorite episode of Shining Time Station. Um, probably less to do with the actual quality of the episode, even though I think it's a great episode, uh, but also to do with the fact that this was the episode I, I've definitely seen the most. I've mentioned in other episodes that I uh, used to take out this particular um, VHS from my local library when I was young. Um, so uh, it's it really uh, you know, strongly ingrained in my memory. And uh, it, and overall, I do think it's a good episode. I guess something that we should mention too is that these uh, first uh, four episodes they were um, uh, they were all released on VHS as well. They were, in fact, and it is in part thanks to those VHS releases that Shining Time stuck in the collective consciousness for as long as it did. Uh, because without the VHS releases, I don't know that it would have been uh, that, that would have ended up being as popular as it was so uh but yes so without uh, further ado we shall get, get into the episode becky makes a wish um wherever you have that available uh, you can go ahead and press play now uh one of the first changes from season three uh well is that first of all there aren't a lot of changes of course uh, when we did the episode Scared Airs, we discussed the changes between seasons two and three. Uh, sorry, two, one and two. Well, it was the changes between one and two when we did Scared Airs. Uh, but this being the first episode of season three, uh, there weren't a whole lot of changes. The only significant change, I think, that I can tell is uh, that obviously it's two years later. The children are a little bit older. And Daniel Marcotte is brought up to being a series regular. Even though Becky appeared in almost every episode of season two, she was listed as a recurring character for that season and is now a main character. For the, the... Yeah, what's, and what's also interesting, too, is that for years, um, because this for a long time, this was really the only episode of Shining Time Station that I remembered um, the, really uh, watching and uh, the only one that I did watch for a long, long time uh, is that we should mention that none of the other children appear in this episode. Right. Um, the episode's called Becky makes a wish and it really is just about Becky. So it's for years. I, I, I didn't know that there were other kids <laughs> in Shining Dub station. I just thought it was Becky. So it's kind of interesting. Yeah, it is. It's interesting that season three, and we'll get into this more as we, uh, we'll have to see if any other episodes are like this uh, within the first week of season three. But it's interesting that season three sort of got away from having all three of the kids there 
there were some episodes, I think each of the kids had at least one episode where it was just them. I don't know. I can't pinpoint what Dan's episode was, but I know there was one episode that only had Kara in it. So, um, but yes, either way. So that is a very interesting, uh, <laughs> very interesting uh, thing to point out there. Now we were just in the jukebox, uh, in, in the jukebox with the jukebox puppet band. And that is the first appearance of their dressing room. Yes, it is. Uh, which, of course, we would see a lot more of throughout this season and then um, a, a lot of in the one-hour specials, which um, you can find our uh, commentaries for, that we did um, uh, throughout 2020. Uh, but um, it's, uh, I really think what's interesting about Shiny Temptation is I really feel that, um, unlike some shows which might kind of peak um, – in the middle of their run. Now, of course, this didn't have a very long run, but really it, it, it just kept getting better and better. I think season three is definitely the best. It is. It is the highlight of the, I, I can't, well, yeah, it is probably the best season as a whole uh, compared to, uh, compared to the first two. I think we've made our feelings on season one abundantly clear, and we haven't really done that much from season two. We'll have to go back and do some season two episodes later, but, uh, Season two was better than season one. And as you said, season three is even better. Right. Um, now, the relationship between this episode, the Chinatown portion, and the Thomas episode is interesting in that this episode feels perfect for for shiny time station for this this thomas story feels perfect for the shiny time episode in yes terms of the star and everything like that however what's also interesting is that it almost feels like an afterthought in terms of its placement in the episode because we were just barely in the episode it, less mm-hmm. than when this started it was only about three minutes into the episode yeah and we're already to the thomas story and so and because this episode of shiny time only has one Thomas story that means that the rest of the runtime so um you know for uh, after this is over that'll be about seven minutes so we're talking for the last 20 minutes of the episode it's all shining time yeah uh so that's definitely a departure from season two um and but they really started i think to write the characters for shining time a lot better the stories became stronger a little less uh a little less convoluted i think in some ways (laughs) uh but this we of course already talked about um, this episode whenever we did our season three commentaries for Thomas, which we just finished uh, finished in our uh, one of our more recent episodes. But uh, uh, but of course, this is a a classic Thomas episode. It is, uh, you know, the episode would be titled "All at Sea," and as we said during those commentaries when we did those, it's quite a good episode. So uh, yes, but. It is interesting how how much the show has really kind of improved in season three, even in the first couple of minutes. It just feels fresher for some reason. Uh, I I can't say that Becky Mates Wish is one of my all time favorite episodes. It's a very good episode, no doubt. Uh, but you know, it just feels there's a different energy in season three than there was in. Uh, than in season two. Uh, even though it's the same cast, it's the same, like I said, very little actually changes between seasons two and three, but something something in the atmosphere of the series just changed entirely. Maybe it was 
the kids were getting older, maybe the writers had finally hit their stride in how to write these characters and such as that. But there was just something special about season three. So, yeah. And what's interesting, too, is that this is this, of course, was written by Britt Alcroft and David Mitt. Right. Um, and I think we established this was not based on a magazine story, correct? Uh, that's correct. It's it's one of the I believe that it's one of two episodes that were completely original ideas. Uh, just double checking myself on that, actually. And uh, yes, that yes, we were correct that all at sea is one of the two episodes that were David Mitten and Britt Allcroft originals. Uh, the other one, of course, being Thomas and Percy's Christmas Mountain Adventure. Yes, um, and uh, it, but what my point there is that I these, of course, aired in the U.S. before they aired in the U.K. Yes. Uh, since these were in the um, early batch of uh, of the season three episodes, mm-hmm. so my I'm just curious, considering this was written by them, if if Britt wrote this with this particular episode of Shining Time in mind, well, um, that's a good question because you know how far in advance compared to series three of Thomas was season three of Shining Time written, or were they? I I have to imagine they were written around the same time, but I. I have to since this was the first season of Shining Time to to feature new Thomas episodes right. that hadn't already been written and recorded and, and and all of that and released in the UK for for years right at that point uh, it, it's just interesting to speculate whether how much of the how much of those were written with Shining Time in mind because obviously at this point Shining Time was a was an entity important to Prodalcroft mm. and uh, important to the distribution of Thomas content. Uh, in america so yeah i mean so much so that you know a few years down the road when Britt allcroft would start make start putting together ideas for a movie she would include shining time station in that those ideas for both to the baffle to the bafflement of the rest of the world yeah like well, yeah, yeah for better or worse uh yes i do like george carlin's uh the mr conductor's uh wizard outfit here i think it's fun and i like i like the the, the shooting star idea um of course it's kind of a touch of the of the fantasy of course the whole thing is a fantasy he's a uh a small man who lives in a signal box in the wall but yeah uh but some of the other episodes of of, of season two and, and one were less uh fantastic as this that's very season three does sort of delve into the more um fantastical elements of Sh- of shining time but it's fun and it and you can't really have you can't necessarily i mean it's a like i said it's mr conductor so he's all, already magic right of course this kind of thing leads into uh of course we talked about in one of the other uh episodes about the magic dust and all of that that of course planted the seed i think in Bert's mind for the magic of shining time which would be stretched out um beyond our wildest imagination for Thomas and the Magic Railroad. Yes. Well, this episode really inspired a lot of things when you think about it, because obviously, as you said, Mr. Conductor's always been magical, but that would be greatly expanded upon uh, by the time of Magic Railroad to an extreme extent. Uh, But we sort of, I touched on this quite a bit when we did our commentaries on the one-hour specials, in that this episode really sort of is the precursor to Once Upon a Time, which 
when you look at both of them together, they're really the same episode. Becky unwittingly wishes on the wishing star hijinks ensue. So, yeah. I love this switch um, between, uh, and I think this is uh, really some of Didi Khan's and, and Brian O'Connor's best uh, scenes in the show. Didi Khan in particular, because she really never got a chance to do anything this fun. Right. Um, she was always kind of just the, the straight man, as we've said before, a straight woman, to um, to Schemer and the rest of the characters. So this is just absolutely a bliss to watch her act this way, and I'm sure she just had a blast. Uh, doing these scenes and of course it gets taken you know even beyond this in later scenes in this episode but uh, I I love it it is one of it it, it is always fun it seems to watch Stacy act out of character because when we did the Valentine's Day episode uh, she was quite out of character there as well and it's always fun to see that I think just there's there's something uh, really interesting about well, and Didi Khan's a great actress, of course. And so there's always something really fun to see the characters uh, get to act outside of their normal character. So. And I feel, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but it definitely seems like this episode certainly has more, um, season three in general, has a lot more background music yes. than we would have in, in the other seasons. Well, it's funny. Season one had quite yeah, a bit of background music as well. Um, you know, yes, but that background music tended to stay the same. They had like two or they had like they had a small handful of music that they would use and it would and it would appear at one point in every episode. You could almost predict at what point the music was going to come in if you were watching the season as a whole in one sitting. Which, I mean, you know, if you really want to, I suppose you could. But um, season three, they did have more background music and they had more variety of background music as well. It's sort of, um, I don't know if Stacey Hirsch composed all the music. I know she composed quite a bit of it. Uh, but, you know, she, she started to add more variety in season three. Which is nice to hear. Mm-hmm. This elevator scene with the jukebox is fun. Yeah, it's interesting um choice of animation there. Yeah. And that's one of the things that I really liked about season three and onwards is that they really tried to change Shining Temptation for the better. They did things that they either weren't able to or were were afraid of doing before and they well really... it certainly seems as a it probably a, it was a, a budgetary oh yes i'm sure i would imagine by season three of course thomas had really uh taken off in america yes um and uh really and and shiny time as well so uh really starting to to kick off right and that's and that's the thing that I think some people tend to forget is that, you know, as much as, you know, Shining Dimension with, with the inception of its own fandom, which is quite sizable, uh, you know, Shining Dimension tends to get forgotten. And a lot of people try to downplay the effect of Shining Time in America. If it weren't for Shining Time, Thomas probably wouldn't be as big of a hit in America, though. And 
by the time of season three, Shining Time was kind of a ratings darling. I mean, it wasn't a huge success, but it was a PBS show. No, no PBS show aside from maybe Sesame Street is a runaway success. So, yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's um, it. it uh, absolutely. And I think I think part of what part of what works well for uh, I guess we should just comment. This song is great, too. Salido Lindo. Yes. Um, and I like um, especially the. Um, the uh, Jonathan Freeman's puppeteering with Tito in this is just great. Oh, yeah. Um, but uh I think what's great about Shining Time is that it, it it kind of helped to spread out the Thomas episodes and portion them out in a way that didn't glut the market. Now, of course, at the same time that they were putting out Shining Time episodes, which only had maybe one or two Thomas stories in them, they were putting out videos, which had six right. um, or, or more uh, on them at the same time. So eventually the videos, of course, completely overtook uh, the popularity of Shining Time. But I, I think it helped early on that, that it wasn't that America wasn't flooded with a half hour, uh, a half hour block on PBS with six Thomas episodes. I yeah. think it would have just grown tiresome, especially considering at that time in 1989, there had only been two seasons of Thomas. So they would have run through all of those episodes very, very quickly. Oh yes. Um, so I, I think it really helped to portion it out um, over to, from 1989 to 1995. Right. And like I said, of course, by that time, the videos had really taken off. But Right. But no, I mean, it was, it was a good introduction because it was a nice, steady, slower introduction. Because, uh, you know, on, in the UK, I think they showed two episodes back to back, I believe. At least at the beginning, I know they did. Uh, and so, you know, but US TV doesn't really work like that. Uh, PBS does, which is why they could make a show like shining time station and that it would have been but even pbs kind of works in half hour parameters whereas uh itv or i i don't i think it was itv that early thomas was shown on uh you know there you they can change the timing of the episodes and such as that but like i said even pbs is kind of restricted to a half hour format so yeah, I love this costume change. Um, it's fantastic, and, uh, and the fact that uh, Stacy does the curl. Yes, uh, very funny. It is just to see Stacy hugging the mayor in that sense <laughs> with the with the loud. It's it's not as loud as Steamer's normal shirts are, but it's still very plaid. So, and. <laughs> That's the, I think what I think my I think one of my personal favorite parts of this is seeing Steamer with Stacy's haircut. Yes, <laughs> it's not exactly a pitchy cut, but it's quite short. So obviously, because Brian O'Connor had relatively short hair, but still, yeah. Now this was always one of my favorite bits as well when Mayor Floppetinger starts levitating. Yeah. And I- I like Mara Flopter quite a bit. He's a, a fun character. Yeah. And this is a fun effect. Uh, just kind of right out of the gate for season three, this was a great episode to launch the new season to show that this, is, it, this isn't the old Shining Time. Right. Uh, you know, it, they're clearly delving into some 
stronger stories and um, more outlandish situations and and everything. Oh yeah, I love that he says "little lady." The way he says that just <laughs> always made me laugh. Yeah. It's the way Brian O'Connor um, and and Dee Khan does this as well, and it it is definitely funny. But it's the way they're doing each other's voices as well. I just love it. Yeah, I think I think Dee Khan's impression is is stronger. Um, but I get it's partly yes. just because obviously Brian O'Connor's performance as Schemer is so um, out there and easily identifiable, whereas Dee Khan's performance as Stacy is a bit more uh, subtle. It is well, definitely or, can't call schemer subtle. <laughs> I I don't think there's anything about schemer that could be referred to as subtle. Um, it's interesting. We're more than halfway through this episode, and this is the first appearance of Billy. Yeah, um, it's it's sad in a way that season three kind of with with a few exceptions, season three didn't really know what to do with Billy very much. Well. Part of the problem I think with Billy is that his, his Tom Jackson's energy is so low. It is not in a bad way, just in a you know in a in a wise sage kind of way, right? Um, as, especially that was elevated quite a bit by the way that they uh, that Brad Alcroft wrote Billy in Magic Railroad and Russell Means's performance in that. Um, but uh, but yeah, Tom Jackson just he brings that energy so far down that it's kind of hard. You, you have to use them sparingly, I think. That's true. Um, otherwise, it, it brings down the, the tone. That's very true. <laughs> What's quite nice, too, is that even though there's only one kid character in this episode, um, we have many of the adult character and kind of all all the adults interacting with Becky kind of just watching. So it's a nice showcase for all of the adult actors clearly having a lot of fun in this episode. Oh yeah. And, and, you know, with, well, even Tom Jackson given a bit to do in this episode uh, when he finally shows up, but you know, both the, uh, both Didi Khan and Brian Rotana are given quite a bit to do. And as is Mark Holdsworth here, when he shows up, uh, you know, of course, G- of course, the JB King character is always a fun one. So, now I will say, for for not being necessarily one of my favorites, this is one of the episodes that stuck out very highly in my memory. Um, you know, I. I only had a handful of the VHSs and really even only one or two of those were, uh, you know, a few of them were recordings that my parents had made for me, but, and then there were like two that were the actual licensed VHSs and such. Uh, And this was not one of them, but you know, this episode did stick out in my mind. It's one of, I think three that I could remember, not by heart, but that I could remember major parts of sen- watching when I was a little kid. Um, and um, I absolutely love this magic bubble 
um, sequence. Yeah. And I, uh, I love the song. Uh, the song, I believe, is called Help Your Wish Along. Mm-hmm. And they're just great, great footage um, chosen from all of these classic pub- public domain cartoons um, that they used. And uh, it's just great. Um, it's anytime that they could use the anything tunnel or the magic bubble or the Nickelodeon or any of them, it just adds another flavor, I think to the show um, in, in a good way. Another layer of, of material that's non, it it just, it made the show so rich, all of these different kind of segments and and things like that, which of course, as, as they develop the characters of the shining of the shining time station uh, workers and, and inhabitants, I, they had less of those. And of course, when uh, we're going down to just one Thomas episode in some of these, but, but this is, if we can't have two Thomas stories, at least we'll have this um, great magic bubble sequence, which oh, yeah. of course is so much shorter than a Thomas episode. So. Well, yeah, but very catchy song. I, I sing it to myself sometimes. It is a good one. Yeah. Now it's, it's interesting that, you know, this was, it's it's pretty clear that Britt Alcroft and Rich Sittlecow and all the other writers for the series were becoming more confident writing for the characters because we got less of the Anything Tunnel or the Magic Bubble or the Picture Machine in Season 3. We got less of almost everything. And, and you know, we got a lot more of the main characters. And so it is nice to see this, though. It's It's still nice to see them retain... Uh, the magic bubble and such as that. So, yeah. I like you the, the transitions well. to both the Thomas story and the uh, the magic bubble were a little clunky. At times, they could be. Um, Particularly in this episode, like I said, even though this is my favorite, uh, the the transitions to those segments in this episode for some reason are just really uh, abrupt. Well, they were, but not as abrupt as the Valentine's Day episode one was. Uh, but yeah, I mean, they were also, you know, pretty abrupt as well. So. Nice that Bobo Lewis gets a lot to do in this episode as well. She gets a lot to do in season three in general, I think. Um, <laughs> well, we'll have to keep, as we go through at least the first week of season three, uh, we'll have to keep an eye out for how many times Midge Smoot appears. But I, from what I recall, and I, I have seen all of them now, uh, from what I recall, she's she appears quite a bit in season three. His funny uh, uh, misquoting of the famous John F. Kennedy quote is funny. <laughs> yes. <laughs> now, now, I know that they have effectively just swapped clothes. 
but I, I, I enjoy the fact that Steamer is wearing the same heels that Stacy would wear. Yes. I seems odd to me that Mr. Conductor couldn't have done that earlier, but of course it's uh creates great, uh, uh, great conflict here. I was going to say, if he had done that, where would the story be? <laughs> it is funny that Schemer's still wearing Stacy's hat. Yes. I do, I do like how Mr. Conductor getting the wishing star back and changing everything back to normal, changes everything except Schemer wearing Stacy's hat. <laughs> probably just as a little nice little uh, revenge on Schemer. Oh, probably. So... I think it's the fact that, that he doesn't realize it until after J.B. King has left as well, which is amusing. <laughs> and Stacey has his nickels. Yes. So. What do we think of Becky as a character? Because this is her only time in the spotlight, uh, singularly. What, what do we think of Becky as a character? Well, I always liked her. I mean, I, part of it, I mean, I, I'm a little biased just because this was the main episode of Shining Time that I watched over and over and over again. So, right. Um, so uh, uh, my opinion probably isn't necessarily the, the most um, fair and you know, balanced uh, view of, of all of the characters. Mm, neither's mine. But, uh, but I, I like... Um, uh, I like uh, is it uh, Daniel Marcotte Mar- Marceau? I I've always pronounced it Marcotte. It could be Marceau. I don't know. Either way, yeah. uh, I think that she was the strongest of the three kid actors in yeah. in two and three. So um, and uh, well, really the strongest of all the kid actors, to be honest. So <laughs> um, yes, and and I think we mentioned in another episode that it feels like Lily was written almost as a Becky ish character and particularly just the fact that Mara Wilson of all of the kids on Shining Time Mara Wilson looks the most like one of them and she looks like you know Daniel Daniel Marcotte right so um it it just feels almost like the same exact character in a way yeah Lily does seem like kind of a much a much more fleshed out uh Becky doesn't she no, it's interesting. I just noticed something in the credits, and I'm not sure if it, if it is in other credits, but it said additional material by Brian O'Connor. Uh, we we actually, I I think we pointed that out once before when when we when we did one of the other season threes, and I don't recall when it, if and when we ever go back to season two or if we ever go back to season one. Um, <laughs> we'll we'll have to keep an eye out for those as well. I think that by season three. Brian O'Connor was pretty much providing a lot of his own material. Um, yeah, I, I think, and probably was uh, uh, insistent on receiving some credit for it. So, well, uh, uh, rightly so. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so uh, that would be um, why he was ev- eventually getting a getting a uh, credit. Yes, uh, but, but ad libs and, and improv. But yeah, no. If we ever go back to season, well, when we eventually go back to season two, and like I said, if we ever do decide to revisit any of season one. Uh, then we'll have to keep an eye out uh, when when we get to those credits to see if he was getting it right from the beginning or if it was something that developed over time. So, uh, but yes, um, I 
because I didn't really give my opinion. I, I agree with you that Becky is kind of like a proto Lily. Um, and I, I also agree that uh, Daniel Marcotte is probably the strongest actor. I think Erica Luttrell is a fairly strong actor as well. Um, Daniel Marcotte might be slightly better though. So, um, but yeah, you know, Becky unfortunately only got one episode to herself, but it was a good one. So, yeah. But uh, that was Becky Mates a Wish. A pretty good episode, in my opinion. I, I think so. Um, of course, like I said, I'm biased. Uh, it's my favorite episode of of the series. Um, I think it's uh, was a very, very, very strong opener for yes. season three. And really, as we said, kind of established that, that this is a different style of Shining Time Station than what people would have known uh, two years prior. Uh, for And then the, the two years before that as well. So it's... Right. Um, it definitely has has evolved, and I think really season three has all of the all of the strongest episodes of the series are in this season. Yes, by far, definitely, I would agree with that. So yes, uh, yeah, good opener to the season, and as we said, we're going to try to hit uh, all four of the first episodes of season three back to back. So uh, keep a lookout in the next. In the next day or two for the next episode of season three. Uh, of course, you can find us uh, all sorts of places Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and of course, our home is Anchor. Uh, leave us a review on either any of the podcasting sites that we're on, really, because those are always nice. And, and we always like to hear your opinions as well. If you want to reach out to us, you can go to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash talking Thomas pod. Or you can find us on Twitter at TalkingThomas1. So you can reach out to us on either place. Uh, Let us know what your thoughts are on Becky Mates a Wish. Uh, So yes, until the next time, have a good one.